I'm going to do something I haven't done in a long time. I have Moon Pie Awards to give out. And one of those, uh, and I've got a, she's, she's got stuff happening. If you've seen our new baptistry out in the yard, uh, the new water slide thing. In fact, Clay said that's how they uh, baptized 3,000 souls on Pentecost. They just had a slide, just kept sending them down. Um, but they've got a big day. But one of those is Brittany Dean. She has, um, she has uh, just, just her second year as our children's intern. She's helping us as we are moving in this new direction in with our kids. And, and we appreciate so much everything that she does. Uh, so I'm going to give her hers later on. So let's just acknowledge Brittany for the good job she's done. So Brittany, I will have a certificate and a moon pie later on. The other one goes to uh, someone new this year, and that is Shayla. And Shayla Russell has been with us all summer. She's been our summer intern. She's been awesome. I mean, she, seriously, she has really done a great job. And uh, I just can't say enough good about her and, and what she's done with the young people. Having young people in the group, I'm able to see a little bit more. Uh, she's also been staying at our house over the last few weeks, or when she's there, she, she, we chase her off. But, uh, but I'll just go ahead and read one of these certificates, because I know you've never heard this before. This is a major reward. So it's a Certificate of Awesomeness that acknowledges that Shayla Russell has demonstrated the heart of a servant worthy of the greatest reward possible, the double-decker moon pie, for her dedication to our teens. So Shayla, you come up. We're going to make you come up. Thank, Thank you. you. There you go. You can either, I'll tell you what I always tell them, and that is you can either eat your major reward or you can, you know, whatever you do with it. But the fact that it's processed should last you for several years. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and turn in our Bibles to the book of Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Over the last couple of weeks, Mark has taken us through a series of stories that demonstrates the power of Jesus. Uh, he stills the raging, chaotic seas. And, and then he, he quiets the soul of a man who is just eaten up with these thousands of demons and that not even, you know, being able to, to stop it with chains. And today we discover that the power of Jesus is going to be demonstrated even greater. See what happens, you get some of Moon Pie Ward and then they just leave. <laughs> no, I know, I know she's got to go help do some stuff. But it's our last day to embarrass her, so... Anyway, so what we find here is that Jesus is going to, to deal with the last two stories of the four stories that we've been talking about. And when we usually say Mark has, is including two stories, then we usually think in terms of Mark's sandwich, right? And uh, so what Mark does often is he will take story number one and start it, and suddenly it will be interrupted by story number two. And then it comes back to story number one, and it's just this sandwich. And these stories are put together for a purpose, and that purpose is to show forth this theme. It's to, to bring out what, what he's really wanting us to see about Jesus. It's not just a miracle that we're to see 
And, and those are important. But it, there's something deeper. There's something greater that we find here. So I want us to begin, and we'll start in verses 21 through 24. And it says, And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him, and a great crowd followed and thronged about. As a father and of, of a daughter who's now 15, this story bothers me. If I read it as if I've never read it before, this story bothers me. I, I, can, I can get a sense of what he would have felt, just that desperation. He falls before Jesus' feet. He begs him to come to his home. And he, he says, I know if you touch her that she can be healed. And you have to love what's said there. Jesus went with him. Isn't that great? Jesus leaves the crowd. And he goes with the one. I love this about Jesus. Because here he is, he's in the midst of this crowd, and all these people want to see him, they want to touch him, but he, he goes to the one. He, he, he moves into the desperation of a parent. He could heal more people if he stays. Jesus could just sit there, and people just bring him up, and he could just touch him and everything else. But Jesus, he's, he's walking, he's going to the one. Because Jesus doesn't only care about the crowd. He cares about the individual. And that's when suddenly story one is interrupted by story number two. And beginning in verse 25, it says, And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had. It was no better but but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For he, she said, if I touch his garments, I will be made well. And immediately, the flow of blood dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. This woman has a very serious condition. For 12 years, she has been bleeding. She's given up everything that she's owned, everything that she's earned, everything that she would have inherited, and she has just poured it out to these doctors. And not only is she not even better, she's worse. She would have been anemic. She would have been ceremonially unclean. She was an outcast to society. She wasn't like the man, the paralytic in Mark chapter 2. Remember that? His friends bring him to Jesus. They tear open a roof to get him to Jesus. She's come alone, folks. 
She tries to sneak up on Jesus. Do you see that? She comes from behind. And her thoughts, it seems, is if I can touch Jesus' robe, then, then I can be made healed, and then I can just back out of there. She was right about one thing, touching Jesus restored her health. The robe of Christ was more powerful than all the physicians that she had seen. But she was wrong in thinking she's going to get out of there quietly. So we look at verse 30. Let's just keep reading. It says, And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power that had gone from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Jesus realizes there is this power that has gone out of him. He wants to know who touches him. And I don't know if Mark meant it as a sense of comedy, but I find some comedy here. Jesus turns to his disciples and said, who touched me? And they're like, Jesus, who isn't touching you? Everybody's touching you. Finding the person who did that, it's like finding a needle in a haystack. What do you mean? Everybody's pressing against. As a father, I'm struggling with this, though, I'll tell you. If I'm Jairus, I'm the father who has a 12-year-old daughter who's dying, and I need Jesus to my house immediately. Jesus, why are you stopping? Evidently, the woman's healed. He knew she was healed. Why are we going to have a conversation? She really doesn't want to be brought out into the crowd anyway. These are not her friends. These are not people who have come with her. She's not even supposed to be in the crowds. She's unclean. She reacts like the disciples, the sick woman, after Jesus calmed the storm and after Jesus cast out all of these demons and they're standing there in the midst of Jesus and this power and they are afraid and we're sitting here and I know because I do this too and I'm like why is she so afraid and typical of Mark he doesn't tell us but it's like why does Jesus want to stop her and I think it's because he wants her to know him and he wants to know her because she's responded totally differently than everybody else who's been touching Jesus. She has this amazing faith that she just thinks, if I can sneak up behind Jesus and just touch his robe, that I can be healed. Folks, discipleship is not about simply getting our needs met. It's about knowing Jesus and for him knowing us. It's about being in his presence 
And I think sometimes that we treat prayer as if, you know, I just want something that I can sneak up and, and you know, grab some power for a little bit and sneak back out. And I don't think that necessarily is what, what is in her mind. But I'm saying for us, sometimes it's the only time we want to be in the presence of God. But Jesus wants us to fall at his feet. And that's exactly what she does here. She falls at Jesus' feet. So verse 35. Oh. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? We're back to story one. Jesus is too late. Jairus' little girl dies while he's sitting there having a conversation with this woman. It isn't fair. It's not. He was there first. His daughter's condition is much worse than what this woman's was. She had gotten her healing. He just needed Jesus to come quickly to his house. Do you ever feel that way about God? Someone else's loved one recovers while we're praying earnestly and ours is getting worse and even dies. One person has cancer and and, and it's, it's just devastating on the whole family. And this family over here, their loved one's gotten cancer, and it's devastating. And this one gets well, and this one does not. And both are being prayed about. Lots of tears and everything else. And it's hard to be happy for someone else's good news when you're in the midst of your bad news, isn't it? And that's a human nature thing. And that also is why this story is here. Because we're not left there. We're to keep reading. We're to find something else that, that they did not know and did not understand. And things that we need to understand that even in the midst of our bad news and in the midst of our crisis, that there's things that we don't know. And so we keep reading. And so in verse 36... says, but overhearing what they said, these messengers, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? child is not dead but sleeping and they laughed at him but he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was taking her by the hand he said to her Talitha Kumi which means little daughter I say to you arise and immediately the girl got up and began walking for she was 12 years of age, and they were immediately 
talking about the witnesses. They're overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Folks, this is an emotional roller coaster. If you put yourself into the story, and this is the way we should do it, don't read it as if you've read it before. Read it as if you're reading it for the very first time. If you put yourself there, and you put yourself in the shoes of either of Jairus or either this woman who has been sick for so long, Jesus tells Jairus, he says, listen, don't be afraid, just believe. And as angry or as upset or as in shock as he must have been at that particular time because of what happened and seeing what the good news that happened with Jairus or with this woman, the woman demonstrated what he needs now. Do you see this? Faith is trusting in God when things seem hopeless. Faith is not believing what you think, the, the positive you think you're seeing. He walks up to the sound of these people who are wailing. They are professional mourners. He walks in and he sees the lifeless body of his little 12-year-old girl for the first time. And Jesus says, just keep believing. The Messiah tells the mourners she's, she's only sleeping. And, and their grief has turned to laughter. Uh, they're professional mourners. They, they know if someone's dead. But Jesus isn't laughing. He knew she's dead, but this is the way, listen, this is the way God sees those who are dead in faith. He doesn't see us as gone. He sees us as merely sleeping. It's interesting how Jesus treats this situation compared to the last, isn't it? The last one, he calls this woman out. And I mentioned in class, you know, introverts. Oh my goodness. Don't you feel for the woman? You're, you're just like, well, you know, if you're an introvert, would it be better just to keep this illness or is it be better to be called out in a crowd, right? And, and, and he calls her out in the crowd, deals all of this. But here, he only allows the parents and not even all of the 12, only, only three. And then after they witness this miracle, he says, don't tell anyone. And, and if you're like me, you're probably initially thinking, Jesus, why? Don't you want people to believe? I mean, we, we're talking about faith here. Just believe. If you see someone you knew that was raised from the dead, wouldn't you say, wow, I believe. But this is not the type of resurrection that Jesus wants to build their faith. Because the little girl, that situation is a temporary situation because she's going to die later. What faith he wants them to believe in is a death and resurrection of himself. Because it's there that death will finally be released off of those who come to Jesus in faith. Disease and death are still a normal part of life, isn't it? 
the point of the four stories isn't that Jesus came to stop all catastrophes. The point isn't that, you know, Jesus is coming, he's going to just, you know, cast out all evil. It's not that he's going to heal every disease and he's going to put funeral homes out of business. That, that's not what these are about. And some people come to these, these accounts and they leave and they see what's happening in their lives and what has happened in their lives and they been, begin to wonder, is Jesus who he said he was? But that's not the point of these things. We are meant to look beyond our moments of suffering in our fallen world to an eternal significance of the power that God has and that will one day be displayed. He's showing through this mighty power, through controlling nature and the, the, the evil world and disease and, and death, he's showing that the kingdom of God is breaking in. And when it finally comes to its, its completion, which will be at the second coming of Christ, there will be no more chaos. There will be no more death. There will be no more terminal illnesses. There will be no more evil. Look at the sandwich, folks. What's the sandwich all about? It's about faith. It's showing us about faith. The woman is healed because of her faith. Jairus is told to keep on believing. Faith is what ties these stories together because it's by faith that we come in contact with the power of God. Faith steps forward despite what our circumstances may be like in the moment. It's more than saying, well, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Folks, faith, we've seen this, it's an action. It falls down, it bows before Jesus, it begs, it reaches out to touch Jesus, for him to touch them, to be in his presence. Yes, evil and sickness and even the death of children continue in our world. I know the Brookers right now, they've got a family member that's 12 or 13 years old and going through all kinds of medical issues. And when you see this kind of thing, we've already mentioned the, the shootings. Two shootings. There's an evil in our world, and we hate it. But Mark's sandwich says, keep believing. Don't stop believing and don't be afraid. The two main characters that we find in the, the sandwich couldn't have been any more different, could they? I mean, here we have a male who's in a prominent position. We have a female who has no honorable position his name is given she's not even given a name Jairus is the leader of a community whereas the woman is not she's ostracized from community she can't even go and be a part of what Jairus is the leader of 
she sneaks from behind to touch Jesus. Jairus goes to Jesus face to face before prostrating. But they have one thing in common. Both are victims of desperate situations and they have no hope apart from Jesus. And when you put these stories together, you realize that being male, ritually pure, holding an honorable, uh, honorable position or having good resources is not an advantage to approaching Jesus. And you realize that being a female and impure and dishonored and poor has no bearing on receiving God's help. We often read in Scripture, and we've already read even in the psalm, it, it talked about God cares for the poor. He cares for the oppressed. And, and even here, it goes beyond that, and it shows us that the only thing that matters is faith. It's not that you have to be poor. It's not that you have to be oppressed. It's people who come in faith. He cares for the poor woman who suffered for 12 years, and he cares for the privileged father whose daughter, 12-year-old daughter, is dying and dies. And Jesus loves them all. He longs for us to stop living in fear and just trust him. No matter the outcome, just trust him. He wants us to, to invite us into his presence if we will allow him. I wonder if there's any worried parents in here. Probably if you've got kids and they're grown and everything else and now you're on to grandkids, you probably even would say, yes, I know that. I understand what it means to be concerned about your kids. Some in here may have even had a child to die. For some people it may be that their concern is, you know, my child has not made good decisions. I'm, I'm very concerned about the friends they're with. I wonder if there's anyone in here who feels like the woman and you just feel ostracized. Maybe you're going through some things and, and, you're, and you're going through it by yourself because you're, you're afraid to let anyone else in. Or, or maybe it's a situation where, you know... And, and it doesn't have to be a sickness either. You can feel ostracized without that. You can, your own sinfulness can make you feel like, I don't belong here. And maybe you're going through some of these difficult things in your life. Don't be afraid. Keep on believing. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this day and we, we beg of you to be here in our presence, to join us in whatever grief that people may be feeling right now. And Father, we just we ask you to, to build their faith. Father, we pray, I pray that you've you've used me this morning just simply as a tool to to bring forth who you are. Father, I pray a prayer for the parent who may be in here right now, or parents, and they're just they're going through some hard times. 
and they don't feel comfortable in just going and talking to other people about it right now because it's hard. And there's probably people in here, Father, that they feel ostracized or they feel like they, this is a place they don't belong. They're unclean people. But, Father, help them to realize that you're here to clean what is unclean. And, Father, we just pray that we as a people, we reach out to these folks. Father, just your spirit that is within your people this morning, Father, just help us to feel and to know and to, to speak up to those that, that you're sending to us. And so, Father, we, we come to you and we beg you, we plead with you to be in our presence. And we pray for your coming. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And you may be here this morning and you need, to, you need some prayers. Other than that, you don't have to walk up here unless you want to. We'd love to pray with you. If you've got some things that's on a personal level and you want to pray with me about it or pray with some people around you, it may be God is leading you and saying, you know what, there's a person right there. And I don't know why, but I just, I just want to go to that person and say, do you mind praying for me? Do that. There's a power that's beyond ourselves. Trust Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus, we want to tell you more about him and how he has come to save you. If we can help you in any way, come as together we stand and as we sing.